Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. The walls are closing in on the FBI. Not Donald Trump. No, the FBI. Happy FD-1023, miss. That's what today is. Details. Also, the, uh, the debt deal. Oh, man. It's kind of like it's very difficult to follow what's going on. <laughs> right. It, 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 seems, it seems a bit like contrived complexity. Just a little bit. All right, we'll get to that first. Let me get to Fred. He called in. Uh, we were talking earlier about California. Uh, now State Farm pulling out of the home and business insurance lines in the state of California, not writing any new policies. Fred, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Pete. Uh, no, my comment was that maybe there's government controls in California regulating how much the insurance companies can charge. Uh, we have that in North Carolina. Uh, I don't. I don't understand in California why they couldn't just uh, set the premium on an agreed amount. Uh, there's people that have old cars that uh, maybe the book says it's only worth twenty five thousand dollars, but they if they agree to uh, insurance coverage, it that it would be worth a hundred thousand dollars to a restore for a restored vehicle. So. Uh, It seems like there's something unusual about that situation in California. Well, this isn't about the uh, State Farm isn't hasn't denounced any changes in their auto policies. This is just for home and for business insurance. But why could they not do the same thing? Uh, You say uh, I want a million dollars with the insurance coverage on my business. And the insurance company says, no, we won't write a million, but we will write two million. Right. Well, because I think what they're accordingly, because their their whole model is based on the whole insurance model is based on uh, them paying out for, as the writer uh, in the piece uh, called it, paying out for the exceptions, not the rule. Right. I mean, think about like life insurance, right? They're basically gambling that uh, you're not going to die and you're gambling that you will. Right. And it, so, right. So this way, if you die, then, you know, you get the payout um, Now you don't want to die. Right. So there's your moral hazard part of it. Right. So you, you don't want to die. Uh, so therefore, this is a good bet. And they know what the actuarials are based on your age and gender and where you live and your comorbidities sure. and all of that stuff. Right. Same thing with. All, yeah. Same thing with businesses same, same and, with and business. homes. Same thing with business. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. So if they're paying out more than they can take in and they lost four billion dollars in 2021 that they still have not been able to recover, then that's not a, that's not a, a good line sure. of business to be in. Now, now they sure. may be regulated. I would I would venture to guess that they are regulated probably more so than we are in North Carolina, just because it's California. I would have to guess that it's more, way more regulated. And that's probably why they can't, uh, they can't charge more because the state probably prohibits them. Well, it's going to be a bad situation yeah. if the uh, businesses cannot get the proper coverage. Of course, it may have something to do with their 
the tort reforms maybe they've done and uh, it limits uh, an insurance company from making money. They have to make money. Right. Absolutely. They have to make money because that's how they pay out the claims. And if they're not making money, then they're out of business. And so, yeah, if you've got uh, businesses that are getting torched and or looted on a regular basis now, they're getting uh, these uh, crime rings, these theft rings that are just walking in, stealing, you know, hundreds or a thousand dollars worth of merchandise, and they're doing it repeatedly. You know, the the businesses can't survive long. Like we've done, we've done the stories of the businesses pulling out of San Francisco, right? Uh, I'm trying to remember, like what Target pulled out. Um, you had one pull out of Portland. I think REI pulled out of Portland. So they're they're these businesses are are moving away because they cannot sustain their operations and what happens is you know, when you have when you have crime and and theft that takes over a neighborhood like this um or a city you then have this doom loop we talked about that last week the doom loop where everything that the negativity feeds on itself and people don't make the investments because of the perception that's there that it's that that it's crime ridden and then that means no more people are making investments which means more crime which means no more investments and it takes a lot of effort to turn these cities around, and we saw that over the last 20 years, and now it's like all for naught. It's like they just threw it all away. It's so sad. Well, that that, that sounds right, and uh, but they, they have to make money, and just the way it is. Yeah. Fred, I appreciate Enjoy the call. Enjoy your show. Thank Enjoy you. your show. Thank you, sir. Good to talk with you, Fred. I appreciate your call. Um, this is the thing that, like, I talked about this last week, I think, when we were talking about the doom loop. And I used to interview a fellow at the Rock Hill Economic Development Corporation named Clay Andrews. And uh, this was 25 years ago. And his big thing was he wants residential in downtown Rock Hill. That was the big focus. And think about the amount of work Center City Partners in Charlotte did, right, to try to revitalize downtown. What are you guys doing with these policies this, this, I don't know, this, this, I'm trying not to be too harsh and ascribe motive, but this, this lax approach, this approach that says, we're sorry for, you know, all of the decisions that you made in your life that gave you a rap sheet, you know, the length of your arm, but it's not your fault. You just keep, keep going out and reoffending. And we know it's always the, there, there are a core group that offends the most. Right There's this small criminal element that commits most of the crime. And what happens is when you don't prosecute, you then lower that, uh, you lower that perception of safety and you also lower the perception that there's any kind of repercussion, which means why would people not follow that path, right? When you incentivize the criminal path and you have a, you have a culture in our society that uh, and we do our society it, it it celebrates criminality in our music our movies everybody's the antihero we've 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 strayed very very far away um, Russ says uh, I don't remember the insurer but my brother-in-law in California got a notice that they will not cover auto glass breakage for more than two incidents per year. They recommend removing all valuables and leaving your vehicle unlocked. That's it. Well, look, my brother had a, a Jeep, a soft top, ragtop Jeep, and uh, he would leave it unlocked because if you lock the doors on the Jeep, somebody would cut the top. 
and replacing the top was hundreds of dollars. So it was better to just leave the doors open. I mean, it was a stick shift, so nobody knew how to steal it nowadays, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, what the, the, the trade-off there is that he would come out in the mornings and, uh, you know, there would be cigarette butts in the, in the floorboard. And obviously somebody had slept in his vehicle. Homeless people were sleeping in his vehicle in Atlanta. Uh, let's go over to Herb. Hello, Herb. Welcome to the program. Oh, hi, Pete. Hey. Uh, thank you. I've been listening on and off. And with respect to the criminality going on there in Charlotte on the bus and in the stores, uh, this problem is only going to get worse. And the reason being, and I can't remember who said this, but it goes something like this. What have we learned from history? It is nothing. Because if you go back in time, look at criminal behavior, whether it's on an individual level uh, all the way up to uh, the, the state or federal level, crime is crime, and you don't get rid of it by soft-shoeing it. Penitentiaries are for punishment, not reform. You don't reform anyone. The individual existentialism make the decision of what they want to do and how they want to live. And government should not be involved in that in any way other than punishment for stepping outside of societal norms. I'm and okay that, with the gentleman who called in anonymous uh, living in this dream world. Well, as an individual, he chooses not to protect himself, so be it. Mm -hmm. But each individual has the God-given right to protect themselves. Unfortunately, society thinks that we can pander to the criminal, and that's going to make them behave better. No, that's why I said, yeah, no, that's why I said people mistake uh, weakness uh, or kindness for weakness. Right. That yeah. when you be when, when you treat people with respect and you're nice to them and you're kind to them, the uh, the criminal element sees that as weakness and they will attempt to take advantage of you. So, yes. yeah, you do. Have, and you have the right to defend yourself. Herb, I do appreciate the call, sir. Thanks so much. Oh, hey, real quick. Before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? First up, happy FD1023 day. Sorry, FD-1023, miss, as I call it. This is the form that Congress is seeking from the FBI. A Washington showdown looms over information the FBI refuses to release and Republicans who say they will be in, uh, they'll begin contempt of Congress proceedings if they do not get it. Republican Representative James Comer of Kentucky and Republican Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa want what's known as an FD-1023 form 
that they believe has information pertaining to President Joe Biden and an exchange of money in return for policy decisions. Corruption, in other words. FBI Director Christopher Wray has, uh, given, uh, was given until today to turn over the form. Comer and Grassley have a call scheduled with Ray for tomorrow, but there is no expectation that the call will produce the form. In a statement, the FBI says, quote, The FBI's mission is to protect the American people. Releasing confidential source information could potentially jeopardize investigations and put lives at risk. The FBI remains committed to cooperating with Congress's oversight requests on this matter and others, as we always have. Right. Comer called that obstructionist. Whistleblower disclosures that Joe Biden may have been involved in a criminal bribery scheme as vice president track closely with what the committee is seeing in its investigation into the Biden family's influence peddling schemes. Congress and the American people, he says, need to know what, if anything, the FBI did to verify the allegations that were contained in that report. And if Director Ray refuses to hand over the unclassified record, the Oversight Committee will begin contempt of Congress proceedings against him. Comer, Congressman Comer says that when they initially asked for information on this topic, the FBI said, you're going to have to narrow it down a little bit there, Representative Comer. Uh, we would very much love to comply with your request, but it's just just so many things. So Comer says, okay, how about this? We'll narrow it down to June 30th, 2020, and the number 5 million. How about that? Is that clear enough for you? <laughs> they know exactly what they're looking for. They know exactly what they're, what they're looking to get. We have received legally protected and highly credible unclassified whistleblower disclosures. Based on those disclosures, it has come to our attention that the DOJ and the FBI possess an unclassified FD-1023 form that describes an alleged criminal scheme involving then-Vice President Biden and a foreign national relating to the exchange of money for policy decisions. It has been alleged that the document includes a precise description of how the alleged criminal scheme was employed as well as its purpose. So, June 30th, 2020, and the number 5 million. Probably just a cut for the big guy. All right, hey, real quick. It is estimated that more than 6 million Americans have Alzheimer's. It affected my family. My grandpa had it. New research and treatments are showing promise, but there's still a long way to go. So can you help me by supporting the Alzheimer's Association's Western Carolina chapter? The Family Dance Party Charlotte's on June 10th from 1 o'clock until 5 o'clock. It's at the Roxbury Nightclub in Uptown Charlotte. Go to Mix1079.com and get tickets and come bust a move on the dance floor or donate tickets to a family that's battling the disease. The Family Dance Party is presented by Jameson Realty. Again, if you can help us out, I appreciate it. Go to Mix1079.com and thank you for considering the request. All right, so if everybody is so mad at this debt ceiling deal, then how is it going to pass? <laughs> Which is apparently that I'm seeing uh, 
all of the the expert prognosticators, they all seem to believe that it's going to pass. And it's so depending on who you are listening to, you are so like, right, you got really conservative members. You got the the progressive members, the very lefty members, and then you got McCarthy and sort of the centrists, I guess. Is that what we're calling them? I don't know. Um, there is a certain amount of uh, concern trolling, as uh, Liam Donovan points out. Uh, he does. He's a he's a writer, and um, he does a, a podcast called The Lobby Shop. And he says uh, concern trolling about the task that Kevin McCarthy has ahead of corralling votes while keeping his job is pretextual rationalization for why Biden shouldn't engage. If the White House blesses a reasonable deal and Republicans balk, that opens the door to a clean debt ceiling hike. House Freedom Caucus is going to House Freedom Caucus. Let Kevin worry about Kevin. If you thought that Ralph Norman was going to be a key vote for the eventual package, you might want to sit the next few plays out. Yes, if those terms were put on the floor today, they would fail and chaos would reign. But that's why both sides need to feel like they were fought for. So this is and Joe Biden, by the way, is telling his progressive wing this very same thing, that this was a this was a deal. And there, that means that you're not going to get everything you like. There's stuff in there that he doesn't like. The agreement reached Saturday night between Speaker Kevin McCarthy and President Joe Biden is a historic first step towards shifting government back towards common sense and conservatism, says Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich said that. Now, this came out, the details have been slow to trickle out on this stuff. Now, they have promised that we'll get 72 hours to look it over. I've seen some of the response from the House Freedom Caucus members, Chip Roy. In fact, here, let's go ahead and play this soundbite. Might as well. Chip Roy on Fox News. Barreling towards unlimited debt in this country. That's, we're, we're just barreling towards an infinite amount of debt. And we've got to stop that. The American people didn't send me here to just do what the defense establishment, the spending uh, appropriators all want to do in this town, which is spend money we don't have. And respectfully, all this does is bends a curve off of a pre-COVID uh, or a, a post-COVID curve, right? Instead of pre-COVID levels, we are now going up the post-COVID curve and we're flattening it out, basically freezing spending for two years for a $4 trillion debt increase. I, my constituents at home do not want that. So I'm going to be making that loud and clear to my Republican colleagues that this is not a deal that we should be taking. All right. So that's Chip Roy um, on Fox News noting that everything is getting locked in for two years. And the idea here is that Joe Biden then doesn't have to worry about this kind of a fight ahead of the next election. But neither does neither do the Republicans. So it takes this issue off the table. This is the theory. This is the argument that's being advanced. Now, Newt Gingrich says it is a step towards creating a smaller government, lower taxes, less regulation, economic growth, prosperity and more take home pay. It's also going to strengthen Social Security and Medicare. Gosh, is there anything it can't do? Um, He says that there were a lot of similarities in the way McCarthy went about negotiating this and Patrick McHenry and the contract with America Republicans when he was speaker. They take a series of steps that move the government back towards conservatism. When you hear complaints from some on the right, remember that they are arguing from a mythical belief. 
Somehow, they think defeating this agreement will improve things. They could hardly be more wrong. By passing the original debt ceiling bill, House Republicans set the stage for a profound shift in the center of gravity in Washington. Right? Like this, make no mistake, we would not be here today on this deal had McCarthy and the Republicans not passed their bill in the House. They got that thing through, and then it was left in Biden's lap, and he's essentially making the argument that I refuse to negotiate even though this is going to be economic catastrophe if we don't have a solution here, right? Then, well, they pass something, so now what's your response? And you're like, I'm not negotiating. Okay, well, that's not tenable, (laughs) right? There was a piece I read on this... um, Gary Gross. Um, no, 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 not sorry, not Gary Gross. Wasn't Gary Gross? Um, do, 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 do. Talking about be yeah, a Biden law. Here it is, Glenn Beaton. Biden lost the debt negotiations. Credit the skillful negotiations of McCarthy and the fumbling negotiations of President Joe Biden. Biden's opening card in this game was something that he specializes in: nothing. He, he gambled this spring that he could portray the Republicans as intransigent extremists by refusing to negotiate with them, and the Republicans would wind up having to simply raise the debt ceiling without any concessions from the Democrats. More money to spend now and repay later, no conditions on spending it. But Biden lost that gamble, okay? It was a bluff, and when Republicans passed their bill, his bluff got called. But you go to the very end of this piece, and um, this guy, Glenn K. Beaton, is... Uh, he's an author of a book out now called High Alti- or sorry, High Attitude, How Woke Liberals Ruined Aspen. And he writes, uh, he writes at a substack under his name, Glenn K. Beaton. He says, caving on your promise not to negotiate is not exactly the strongest card with which you want to start a negotiation, right? His caving not only weakened him in the negotiations, but it weakened him in the eyes of the people, if that's possible. I will admit... I am glad that Biden is a weak negotiator when he's negotiating with Kevin McCarthy, who's turning out to be a bit better than advertised. But bear in mind, Biden is the same weak negotiator when negotiating American interests abroad. And that is terrifying. When you're so bad that a Republican beats you in a negotiation, that's my goodness. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. I don't know. I, I like. I assumed, and maybe this is just my limited government, lowercase l, libertarianism, and it's like, and, and I never expect to win these fights. <laughs> so I... I I don't know who's disappointed at this. 
the debt deal, right? It was going to it was not going to be anything that we would prefer, right? People on the right, people who want to rein in spending, this is a, this was never going to be something that that we would prefer because it needs to get past two democratic chambers or or legs of the stool, right? You got the House, the Senate, and the White House. And the Senate and White House are not going to cave to every single Republican demand. And that's what they're telling their base right now. They're out there telling all the progressives, hey, just a heads up, you know, I know you're not happy about like this two, these two things, but man, it could have been a whole lot worse. That's what they're saying. That's their messaging. It was going to be way worse until Joe Biden put on the aviator sunglasses, wiped out on the bicycle, got an ice cream cone, and then stuck it to McCarthy. That, that's really what happened. On the right, you got Newt Gingrich putting out these uh, 12 bullet points here. This is, he says, the 12 accomplishments that it gets. It cuts spending year over year, including a rollback of non-defense discretionary spending to last year's levels It'll while fully funding the VA medical program. It, number two, it limits top-line federal spending to 1% annual growth for the next six years. That is a huge cut from the Biden budget proposal. Number three, they say it's going to lift millions out of poverty by enacting work requirements for food stamps and welfare benefits. Um, Very similar to what the 1996 welfare reform bill did. Means more Americans will be working and paying taxes. They did have to give a carve out on that. Yeah, they had to give a carve out. Um, The tentative deal would require able-bodied, low-income adults without dependents between the ages of 18 and 54 to work in order to receive food aid. So they basically raise the age from 49 up to 54 and make the and make you have to work. Except, in order to get Democrats' support, the agreement relaxes work requirements for veterans, homeless people, and it doesn't impose any for Medicaid recipients. What else? It claws back tens of billions of dollars in unspent COVID money, including $400 million from the CDC's Global Health Fund that would have sent taxpayer money to China. That's about $29 billion. But when you're spending $4 trillion, pff, you know, what's $29 bill here or there? They say billions more, he says, billions more will be cut uh, out of other programs. He calls it the largest total rescissions package in history. I don't know if that's true. The deal puts in place the first, I mean, because by the way, what GovCo calls, you know, a cut is uh, failing to fully fund at a projected or budgeted level. So like we're expecting this amount of money to be funded next year. And now you gave me less than that. So that's a cut, right? The deal puts in place the first ever statutory administrative pay-as-you-go rule to hold President Biden accountable for the full cost of executive rules and regulations. He says that should save taxpayers trillions of dollars. He says, number seven, it cuts red tape and streamlines important infrastructure and energy uh, projects. It cuts costs with the first significant reform to environmental policy since 1982. Number eight, it slashes funding for Biden's new IRS agents and it eliminates the total fiscal year 2023 staffing funding request for new agents. 
Number nine, it restarts student loan repayments and requires borrowers to be responsible for paying off their student loan debts. <gasps> no. Saving taxpayers an estimated $5 billion a month. Number 10, it has a bold requirement to make Congress work again. So what this provision does is it compels a functioning appropriations process, he says, and it will impose a temporary 99% continuing resolution level cap until all 12 appropriations bills are passed and become law. So what does that mean? It means that they would that if they can't do the appropriations in the regular way through an appropriations process through the 12 bill process, if they don't do that, then they get a continuing resolution to to keep funding, but it is capped at 99% of the budget. So in other words, it's a reduction in spending. So Theoretically here, right, it's incentivizing a return to regular order. It protects senior citizens, veterans, national security by fully funding VA programs, defense priorities, Social Security, Medicare, and it blocks Democrat demands for new taxes, and it rejects all $5 trillion of Biden's proposed tax increases. Okay, so um, that's the first step. The next stage will be through the series of appropriations fights this fall, to be shaped by the various investigations into corruption, criminal behavior, and incompetence. That's from Newt Gingrich. I'm waiting to see more details. And I will wait to talk with you again tomorrow. We'll see you then. Don't break anything while I'm gone. (laughs) 